Good evening, and welcome to First Baptist Church of Floyd Ada, Texas. My name is Mark Snowden. I'm the senior pastor. We're so glad you decided to join us for our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we are continuing in our lesson series on the letters that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, a little bit of background for those who are new to our study and a reminder to those who have been following along. Uh, the Apostle Paul and his companion Silas, or Slovanius, and Timothy uh, wrote these letters uh, to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, this church was founded on Paul, Paul's second missionary journey. A detailed account can be found in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, if you want a little more uh, background reading for this study tonight. Uh, but we find these letters uh, as a response uh, to a difficult situation that the apostle and his companions found themselves in. We find in the book of Acts that they only spent uh, three Sabbaths a day in Thessalonica. It could have been a little bit longer, but we know that the duration was cut short because Paul and his companions found him themselves uh, in an uproar uh, because the Jews were not happy about their success among the Gentiles and the message that the Apostle Paul and his companions were sharing that Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah. And so they instigated uh, the, the ruffians of Thessalonica, and they stirred up this riot, and basically uh, Paul and his companions had to leave under the cover of darkness for their safety. And as a result, uh, they were unable to finish their, their normal um, tutelage of the new converts so that they would be uh, mature in their faith, able to be self-sustaining. And uh, after a moment of time, we see that the Apostle Paul uh, sent Timothy to find out how they were doing and to see if the, the church still existed uh, in this town. Timothy brings back report that indeed there was a church and that they were thriving. And so these letters are a response of gratitude for a report. Uh, the, they also help uplift the congregation at Thessalonica. And they are used to kind of carry on correspondence between a very joyful apostle and a fledgling church that has suffered heavy persecution and temptation in their early days. And so if you will at this time, join with me as we read God's word together and we will start in the third chapter of First Thessalonians. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good uh, to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for, your, for yourself know that we are appointed to this. For in fact we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, least by some means that the tempter had tempted you, or our labor might have be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and distress, we come uh, comforted, sorry, therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we are comforted concerning you by your faith. 
for now we live if you stand fast for now we live if you stand fast in the lord for what thanks can we render to god for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our god night and day praying exceedingly that we may see you face face and perfect what is lacking in your faith now may our god and father himself and lord and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And so as we get started in our lesson today, will you please join with me in a word of prayer? Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have given us this opportunity to open your word, to allow us to listen to what you have to say. Lord, we ask that you speak to our hearts. Give us words of joy in times of tribulation. Give us words of hope when all seems lost. And give us words that comfort us because we know that it is through your love that we are sustained. Above all, Lord, give us ears that we may hear and give us hands strong so that we may do your work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so as we look at this letter, we see in it uh, Paul does several things. Um, he commends Timothy to the Thessalonians so that they may trust him, uh, that they may look at him as if uh, he was a spokesperson for Paul, a kind of apostle for Paul, but also look at him in relationship to God working in Timothy's life for them. So it's not by uh, Timothy's ability that they will grow in their faith, but Timothy is being used as a instrument of God, and it is God who is working through Paul and through Silas and through Timothy uh, to help nurture the faith of these Thessalonians. And so we begin with uh, Paul lifting up Timothy, and so we see that uh, in this particular section of the letter, Paul and uh, Silas are in Athens, um, and they decide it was good that they stay, uh, because if we know earlier that Satan had blocked their path on returning to the Thessalonians, we know that uh, it was Paul's desire uh, as a missionary uh, to return to those churches that he planted uh, when God gave them the opportunity so that he could pray with them, that he could re rejoice with them, that he could encourage them by the word of the Lord and, and uplift. Uh, uh, it was kind of a two-way street for Paul. When, when Paul founded the church, uh, seeing them, seeing these new converts grow in their faith was encouragement to Paul, and it was also encouragement uh, for these Thessalonians and the other other congregants at the different churches that they plant to, to hear from the, this mature, uh, God-loving man who, who had nothing but uh, praise and adoration for what God had done for him and had lived uh, the life that proved uh, what God can do in your life if, if you give him the room to do it. And so we see that uh, this was Paul's method. Uh, as we spoke about earlier in our study, uh, we, we know that Thessalonians is probably one of the oldest books written in the New Testament. Uh, I kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a romantic idea, but I kind of see that 
uh, as Paul wrote this, it, it kind of started this letter writing campaign that God would use to not only encourage uh, the churches at like Thessalonica uh, to uh, exhort the churches at uh, Galatia um, to to teach and help correct churches at Corinthian, you know, uh, Corinth and, and those kind of places, but also down through through the chain of history that we have been given this this word as God's holy word to us today. And so when we look at these words, we know that Paul is writing uh, to this other church, but it's also God using these words to the Thessalonians to teach us uh, today. And we see that uh, the the idea of faith is very prevalent in here, um, and, and it's it's the uh, it's the encouraging the faith and all this reciprocal thing. Uh, but what's this this particular chapter about? Uh, first and foremost, Paul is kind of commissioning Timothy uh, for this work. We know that Paul has been hindered in returning to do the, do the work himself. Uh, but he is lifting up Timothy. He is the bearer of this message. He is the reporter of the good news to the apostle and the bringer of questions, you know, that kind of thing. But he has recommended Timothy that, you know, basically, I can't make it there. Timothy is sent with me. He's sent with God. He, he listen to him, trust in him, uh, grow with him, let him pour his life out into you, and you do the same. And so he's lifting up Timothy. Uh, he's also calling them to their faith. And so he see, he is happy with the faith that they have. Uh, but for the Apostle Paul, there is not just that initial point of salvation that he's concerned. A lot of times as evangelical Christians today in America, we, we have kind of streamlined or modernized the mission movement. And so a lot of our emphasis is put on that initial first step, you know, polish your testimony so that you could win those to the Lord. But sometimes because of our methods, we see that the end goal is uh, salvation of others. But that's really not the end goal for God, and that's not the end goal for uh, the Apostle Paul. That is the starting point into the ministry of the gospel. And so when we look at it, for Paul, salvation is the by the grace of God, not by their works. But there's a next step, is the growth in your faith. And so Paul commends the Thess Thessalonians, I'm going to have to say that one, Thessalonians, uh, for their faith, but he also calls them to grow in their faith. They're, they're not there yet. Salvation uh, through faith in Jesus Christ was just the starting point. Uh, the gospel is not just the end of a problem, but is the beginning of a solution. And so what I mean by that is your faith in Jesus is the starting point to your walk with God, to him transforming your life into the patterns of Jesus Christ. And we know that our journey isn't complete until we are with him in heaven. We are in this kind of already not yet point in history where Jesus Christ has won our salvation, but we are not yet fully free of the uh, decay of this world, of the temptations of this world, because our bodies grow old and tired. Uh, our bodies are susceptible to diseases, uh, cancers, uh, injuries, these kind of things. Uh, and it won't be until we get to heaven that we are free of all of those trappings that, that the, the world's so entangled with. And so 
uh, we look at this letter, uh, Paul was commissioning Timothy. Uh, Paul was exhorting them, uh, but it was also kind of this mutual nurturing between the two. Uh, the Thessalonians are growing their faith through these interactions, but the apostles and uh, this minister, young minister Timothy here, is also growing in their faith. So it's kind of a win-win for, for both of them. Uh, you know, Paul doesn't have ulterior motive just to encourage him, but he he grows in his own faith and strength and knowledge of the Lord by seeing the Holy Spirit work in the lives of others. Uh, you know, you think about it. Uh, Saul, the the zealous uh, Jewish Hebrew among Hebrews that was a persecutor of the church because they stood against tradition by following this man Jesus. You know, he, he would track them down and hunt down these Christians and have them thrown in jail. He approved of their murder, all these kind of things. But when he had that experience on the road to Damascus, everything changed. Uh, and as he has seen the experience that he had, live out in the lives of others his faith grows stronger that what he saw was not some kind of imagination but it was uh, the lord working in his life that is is working in these gentiles and the jews that he comes in contact with on the road and so it's a new nurturing uh, a mutual nurturing of both of their their faiths uh, but we know that this is an outgrowth of the work of the holy spirit in each of our life in the life of the apostle and the life of these christians here at thessalonica and so uh, paul what does he do he praises them for their faith but he also wants to find out more through timothy of their faith uh, and he's concerned about their mature maturing walk or their sanctification or their growing in the likeness of Christ because they had very limited time uh, together or their time was cut short, more way shorter than what the Apostle Paul would have liked. Um, we know that uh, this group is predominantly Gentile, and so uh, some of them had um, history in the synagogues, and some of them were complete converts uh, from the paganism of the Greco-Roman world. And so it was a very countercultural thing for them. They lived in a land uh, where there was no se sexual ethic, was very different. There was no hus one husband and one wife. Husbands and wife were for uh, procreation, these kind of things. Uh, there, there was very different understanding of morality, of ethics uh, in this pagan world that these Thessalonians in. And so... It, it was a very big adjustment, so he was concerned that they fell back on their old ways. Um, so, so that uh, uh, makes me ask you a question. So, what kind of support systems does you ha do you have? Uh, think about it. Uh, who do you turn to uh, if you get bad news? Um, your husband, your wife, uh, a friend. Uh, you know these kind of things. Uh, do you go to church uh, to pray? Do you have relationships with the Sunday school class? These kind of things. What is your support network? And so many of us have grown up in a Christian lifestyle. I'll just say that. Uh, some of us didn't, but many of us that are listening today grew up in the church. You know, mom and daddy, granddaddy, grand, grandmama all went to church. They took their kids to church. You're a product of their 
their faith as you grew up. You, you heard the little Bible st- stories. You, you saw the felt felt boards with, you know, Moses and the waters parting and, you know, all these different different things. Uh, and so your support system is has grown out of the culture you came into. And your faith in God was a natural byproduct of those pouring into your life um, the truths of the gospel. But imagine if you grew up where you had none of that, where, you know, if you, even in our world today, you grew up with uh, non-church families. That is a growing uh, number on uh, surveys of the, the nuns, the N-O-N-E, that have no religious affiliation. They don't go to church of any type. Uh, Sundays, there's a day off, you know, that kind of thing. Imagine if that was your lifestyle, where you had no recollection of the uh, the Old Testament stories of those heroes of the faith. All of your information came from this world and from Hollywood and from cartoons and these kind of things. And your support system was either still could be your parents, you know, your friends at the bar, these kind of things. Uh, but imagine, uh, and some of you don't have to imagine, you lived it, and now you come to know the Lord. Uh, but your friends didn't, and so, you know, your friends keep calling, they're wanting to know why you're not coming to the bar anymore, they're, they're wanting to know uh, these different things, or uh, even if, just say your friends drop, just dropped you like a hot potato because they thought you had lost your mind and they didn't want anything to do with you, and now because of your faith, you are facing persecution, um, you're, you're being attacked, these kind of things, who do you turn to? And for many of those Thessalonians, um, they didn't have anywhere to go back to. They, the only place they had to go was to, to God and to this fledgling church that was also suffering persecution. But you know what? Those who had found the Lord, they also found the strength and the courage and joy in persecution, um, that it finds, uh, but the the Thessalonians face two types of attacks, and so we we understand the persecution, the testing through suffering. We know that if you suffer and endure a lot, some people can't endure to the end, and they fall back to their old ways because they just can't tolerate the pain. But also, since their culture had a very different ethic system, this idea of holiness was foreign to their their culture. Uh, you had the temptation of seduction. And so those were the two kind of pools uh, to avoid suffering and uh, to head towards seduction. And so if you, you look at the hierarchy of needs, people don't want to suffer and they want to uh, make sure their species produces into the ne- next generation. And so uh, they, you could be tested by suffering. You can just as easily be tested by seduction that's probably one of the ones that, as uh, American citizens, that we are tempted by more than persecution. You know, people may look at us and call us bigots and things like that, but it's nothing like the persecution that the Thessalonians found uh, themselves. And so, uh, let's see where we're at. In many cases, these um, these um, church members, this congregation here at Thessalonica, they were just growing weary. I mean, you think about it, uh, if you keep enduring trial after trial after trial, and many of you don't even have to imagine, uh, if you've suffered from chronic illnesses, uh, chronic pain for different reasons, it is tough to wake up in the morning and and continue on. Uh, 
You know, some days you just wake up and you go, I'm tired, I don't want to hurt, I don't want to do this, and you get really depressed and these kind of things. This was kind of the state that the church could have found itself in, but through their relationship with Jesus Christ, they were able to find joy. They were able to find joy that the Apostle Paul was continuing on his journey and that he was finding success where God had led him, even though they longed to see him face to face, just as the Apostle longed to see the church face to face, that they had joy in the Apostle Paul's uh, mission. Uh, the Apostle Paul found joy that they were persevering uh, in their faith, uh, but he also encourages them. Uh, he encourages them as he prays towards the end of this chapter. Uh, he begins his prayer by giving thanks for their relationship, uh, his letting them know this kind of wish, desire that he has to see them again. He, he prays that uh, they will increase and abound in love and that they are established in holiness. Uh, for the Apostle Paul, who grew up in Judaism, holiness is a big deal in the Bible. It is about being able to have a relationship with God, uh, who God is, because God is a holy God, and sinful, dirty creatures have no part in the presence of a holy God. And without Jesus Christ's blood and atoning sacrifice, we have no place in the presence of a holy God. It doesn't matter how many good things you do, the bad always muddies the water. And, you know, think about it. If sin was like um, um, arsenic poisoning, and you, you had a 10-gallon bucket, and it had drops every sin you created of this poison, um, and let's say that uh, doing good deeds is like adding sugar, you can add sugar and sugar and sugar to that water till it's nice and sweet and everything looks good, but if you drink it, you're still going to die. You know, that maybe that's too dark of an image to share, uh, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Because uh, sin is that way. It is ugly, it is deadly, and without the remedy, there is no place in this world except for uh, death and hell uh, and its place. But Paul, Paul prays for the church. He prays for the individuals to grow and abound in love. He prays for the church to grow also and abound in love and to establish their hearts blameless in holiness. So that means seek what is holy. Seek what is good. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and allow God's graces to flood your soul that you may stand with a holy God in communion and that when the day comes that you will be found with Jesus Christ. And that's kind of how he ends this section. He says, before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And so he ends the prayer with the acknowledgement that these trials and temptations, they are only temporary. When Jesus Christ comes, you will be vindicated. Uh, you will be raised up. You will be set on top. And those who persecute you, those who try to seduce you, they will answer for the sins of their life. God will come and judge us all, and those who stand with Jesus Christ in holiness will uh, prevail in this world, and they will be lifted up and justified, and those who would deny Jesus Christ will pay the punishment of their sin and um, we will not be part of them. And so 
When we look at this chapter as a whole, we see that Paul intimately ties salvation with our sanctification or the process of us transforming into the likeness of Christ with the triad of graces of faith, hope, and love. And we live in this already, not yet. Christ has already come to set us free, but we're still bound in this world with all all the problems of growing old, decay, death, uh, sin that entangles us. And we are not yet perfect, but one day will come where we will be perfected. And so that does two things. Uh, we can't brag about where we came from. You know, we can't be like the the Apostle Paul gives us the example. You know, he was the Hebrew among Hebrews. Uh, he, he studied under the right people. He had the, all the right pedigree, but he considered all of that garbage for the sake of Christ. So if the Apostle Paul, with all the pedigrees that he had growing up, could not consider that as an advantage to living in the kingdom age, then neither can you. And just like the fact that uh, we are not yet perfected, um, so none of us can boast in how good our walk with Christ is. Uh, those who follow the Lord and know Him as their personal Lord and Savior never say, you know, I'm perfect now, I never make any mistakes. But I think we are reminded more and more, and the devil reminds us more and more that, hey, you keep screwing up, you just need to give up this and come back over here where it's easy and, and you'll find pleasures and all these kind of things. Um, but we are called as Christians uh, to be like these Thessalonians, uh, to, to wait patiently, to wait trusting that the Lord uh, is going to do what he says and that Christ will come and uh, lift us up and to wait with diligence to, to not fall into the trappings of our old life, but to cling to what is good and holy and, and gracious uh, and also lift up others. And I think that's where a lot of times we in our individual culture uh, today tend to think it's all about what I do and my walk with God. But Paul shows the example, him and his co-workers, that it's about a mutual growing, that we need to lift up others so that their walk may grow. And in lifting them up, we will be encouraged and our faith will, will grow as well. And so tonight, as we, we wrap up our lesson, I really hope this was a word of encouragement to you. Um, I, I fall in the trap some evenings of just turning on the news cycles and just getting frustrated with how crazy our world seems to have gone, uh, where there's all kind of things that we deal with, and there doesn't seem to be any, any great solutions. But I know that God is in control. And that if we endure to the end, that he will lift us up and we will prevail and uh, we, we will be justified in his arms. Uh, and when that day comes, I, I pray that I hear the words, well done, good and faithful service. And I, I encourage you to pray that prayer as well. And so at this time, if uh, you have a prayer need and you would like uh, us to know about it, there's a couple different ways that uh, you, you can get in touch with us. You can call our church office at 806-983-3755. Uh,
Uh, if you go to our website at fbcfloydata.org, there's a tab that's labeled prayer, and you can click on that, and that gives you two options, uh, either to leave a prayer request anonymously, uh, if you have a need that you want to lift up or you know of somebody else, but you don't want the names to know, we know that God knows what we are feeling, and that is, is a lifting up that, that, that draws us to him. Uh, you can go to our website and do that. Uh, you can send me an email at mark at fbcfloydata.org, or we have a, a prayer chain that you can send to pray at fbcfloydata.org. Uh, so it's good uh, to join with you as we open God's Word together tonight. And so let us end tonight's lesson with a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for the encouragement. Lord, allow our joy to be filled with the knowledge that you work through us and that the faith of others can grow as we walk alongside them that as they grow in their faith, we will grow in our faith as well. Lord, I lift up all those tonight that have prayer needs. We know that you know what they are. And we ask that you intercede for those in our congregation that are sick, those that are in harm way, that we ask that you protect them. But above all, Lord, we ask that you burden our heart for your gospel, that we see avenues with our eyes that we may share the good news of grace with all that we we have been given. Lord, be with us tonight. Be with us in the days ahead. It is in your name we pray. Amen.